0: Welcome to Harvest Time church Sermon of the week we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jules Pritchard um, let's let's start this year with giving in glory and we will end this year in the same way giving in glory and I thought it would be fitting by way of introduction to read Psalm 8 today is the 8th of January 2023. Psalm 8 starts by exalting the Lord and it finishes by exalting the Lord. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who has set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honour. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We see at the beginning of creation, there is God. The creation of this world, and we see there, there is going to come an end to this creation that we now experience. That the Lord is excellent, and the Lord will be there. And we find ourselves in between the beginning and the end, somewhere in between. And we see this understanding that David had that god had made man a little lower than the angels that word angels is elohim meaning it's not angelos uh, the the word is elohim so god has made man a little under himself in the created order so we see in the original david is picking this up and um, that that god made man with dominion and authority that he carried and David's understanding was that man was created to represent heaven on earth and to represent God's dominion on the earth and we see that in David's life in in the natural realm he prospered under God's authority and God's dominion and he brought that kingdom rule into Israel. And we see he was undefeated in every battle he defeated Goliath as a young boy because of his understanding of kingdom rulership and dominion so we see in this created order is God then under God is man then under man is angels under angels are the fallen angels so when man fell from his created position to be God's representative, he fell right down underneath angels, underneath the fallen angels, and became subject to the dominion of Satan. David understood his calling was to be higher than the angels, to represent, to be god's representative on the earth and i believe in this year 2023 god is calling us his body to rule and reign with him and this is not a independent dominion that this is a collective dominion it is a shared dominion that we share with one another and we share with jesus because see this is god's mercy adam wasn't able to carry that authority and that dominion that God had gave him in the garden. And when he fell, he fell and he became a slave to the powers of darkness. And we see mankind right now in this world is a slave to the dominion of Satan. But God in his mercy, he's included us in a covenant. And in that covenant, he said, you can rule and reign with me. So now we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And if we even if we fail, if we get it, if we make a mistake, it's okay because we share what Jesus paid for. We share the dominion of Christ. He said, I know that you are weak, that you were born into sin, so I, I cleanse you from your sin and I put my spirit in you. So now he says, I invite you to share my dominion. Yeah. How good is that? We're invited to sit with Christ in heavenly places and rule the principalities and powers of darkness in this world. So Jesus has called us to himself and to share in his victory, to share in his authority and he's restoring our man's dominion. So the secret is in verse 2, Uh, as it was prophesied by Isaiah as well, look for the baby in a manger. Look for the restoration of man's dominion through a baby in a manger. We see out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies. So the enemy is a roaring lion in this world. But the beautiful thing is, even these little children here that were dancing in the presence of God this morning, out of their lives, God is glorified. Amen. Because as these children are brought up in the promises of God and brought up in the covenant of God, they no longer have to be ruled by the enemy. And they, they can be trained to live in victory, to live above the powers of darkness. And that's, that's good news. So the secret is embracing the gift of God. The gift of Jesus, which we've just celebrated uh, this Christmas. And which we celebrate every day. Mm. So that's God's plan for us. And, and thank you for your, the word, Steve. You know, on, on New Year's Day, when I sat with the Lord, the Lord just downloaded to me that this year is going to be a year of soul winning. Of leading people out of darkness into light. And there's going to be many people born again in this house, this family this year. You can call me a liar at the end of the year. But I'll put my life on the line for it. Because I guarantee you this year many of your friends and family. Or some of your friends and family. But together there will be many. will be one to the Lord. So I, I, I just want to raise your expectation this year. Expect souls to be saved your friends and some of your friends and family not all of them but will come to know the Lord and it's already happened we've already seen a shift and um, if you want to know about that you can come and ask me later but this is a year of harvest that is the word that God gave me uh, personally and um, I'd like to read uh, from Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then we see uh, chapter 10 verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Interesting couple of verses. Um, Jesus saw, noticed a couple of things that no one else seemed to have noticed. And um, the first thing he noticed was that when he saw the multitude of people that they were like sheep having no shepherd, in other words, he, he put himself, Jesus came and put himself to be mankind's leader, to help them. So sheep without a shepherd, they are subject to the wolf and the lion or whatever predator because sheep in themselves, they have no protective uh, device. So Jesus, when he saw humankind, he said they're, just, they're not being protected. The enemy has been you know, ravaging them, but I am here as the shepherd. And, um, and then he said to his disciples, "This the harvest truly is plentiful." So he's talking about people here. It's plentiful. There's there's so much to harvest. You know, at, at harvest time for a farmer. It's time to gather in. You know, they've been working all year year is a season they've been working just for that harvest and no farmer lets a harvest fall to the ground without collecting it because that's his livelihood for the next for that year and the next year so jesus was burdened and he said something to his disciples he said because there is so much to harvest i can't do it myself pray that the Lord of the Harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. So at the start of this year I don't want you to be overwhelmed with the work that there is to be done because there's so much to do but we start with prayer and Jesus' wise words to his disciples was there's such great need but take it to the Lord in prayer because you alone can't fulfill that need. He must raise up workers, laborers to do his work. And that, and that is my prayer, that the Lord would raise up laborers. And I would invite you this year to start this year in earnest prayer that God would send out workers because there's so many, uh, so many children that need uh, to come home. And you know the interesting, the next verse, the next thing he says to his disciples was he commissioned them. He gave them power of unclean spirits. What is that? That's restoring their dominion. He restored their dominion so that they could do the original work that God intended for them. I just find that interesting that he first, he he says to them, pray that God would send out workers. And then next thing, he ordains them. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you pray for God to send somebody to help that person, you get his heart, you get his compassion, you get his burden, and then you end up going yourself. And that was Jesus' strategy. He didn't just straight away ordain his disciples, but he said to them first, pray, pray, get God's heart before you go out. So when you go out, you go with his love, you go with his compassion. And that was the key to Jesus' ministry. He started in prayer. And it's not that we religious people pray. It's not that. Prayer means get with God. Get his heart. Get his compassion. That is what will motivate you. Not some goon up in the front with a microphone. But when you get in a secret place and you get with him and you hear his voice and you feel his love for lost people, you will not pray, God, send somebody else. You will end up having to go in whatever form or whatever fashion. That is, so that is God's wisdom. But He said this to the disciples um, after a, a few days of very, very strenuous ministry. We know in Matthew chapter five. He he taught on the beatitudes, Matthew five six and seven, the Sermon on the Mount, where he laid out the principles of the kingdom to the vast multitude he spoke to them about everything concerning man the attitude the kingdom attitude we should have as we live in this work world he spoke about marriage he spoke about divorce he spoke about finances he spoke about building your found your life on a on a correct foundation he spoke about money matters These everything he addressed everything in those few chapters so he basically poured out all of Heaven's thoughts towards man, and it was an incredible uh, sermon that went for a, a long time. After that, after he poured all that out, we see um, in in chapter eight he came down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him, so he spent all day teaching. He left that mountain, began to walk down, and great multitudes followed him. And as he was walking down, a leper, it says, Behold, a leper came to him and worshipped him. And, and everyone's looking at what Jesus is going to do. But in those days, a leper was somebody that that was unclean. Nobody was to touch him because it it was an infectious disease. And we know leprosy is a type of sin that Jesus came to deal with. So it's just amazing that you can see there's a spiritual battle going on. Jesus has just given a discourse all day concerning the, the mind of God. He'd given God's mind to humankind. That's what it is. You can read about it Matthew 5, 6 and 7. That is God's concern for your life. But as he's emptied that out on mankind, the devil brings someone who is an infectious person who is like an enemy to humankind, a leper. (laughs) So everyone's watching Jesus and Jesus goes and does the unthinkable to this leper. He touches him, and the clean makes the unclean clean. So, Jesus not only spoke the word of God, he he was the word of God. And he represented to mankind that he had come not only to deal with the issue of sin, but he had come to deal with the issue of sickness in man's body. So, then he went on, it was an amazing day. Um, he, a centurion, centurion came to him, a Roman centurion and said my servant is lying at home sick and Jesus said I'll come heal him but the centurion said no you just speak the word because this Roman centurion recognised the dominion of God the authority of God on Jesus' word he spoke the word and the centurion's servant was healed then he went to Peter's house, his mother-in-law was sick. He healed the mother-in-law. Then in the evening, you can read Matthew 8, verse 16, incredible verse. It says, multitudes of sick people came to his house and it says, he cast out many devils and healed all that were sick. What is that? Jesus... A man exercising the dominion that was first given to Adam on the earth. He didn't just heal the sick, but he cast out devils. So Jesus was a deliverance minister. This year, we are going to deliver many sick people from the dominion of Satan. Amen. That is the work of Jesus. Okay, that's, that's one day in Jesus' life. Before he said to his disciples, to harvest this plentiful. Day two, <laughs> he gets on a boat and there's a storm. He calms the storm. So we see the spirit of the power of the air coming against Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was about to go to a place where there were two demon-possessed men that controlled that area. And the Bible says that no one could actually pass that area because these men would violently overcome them. So Jesus cast out the devil after he healed the storm, the, the, the demons, and they ran into a herd of pigs. This is second day. On the way there, he healed a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. He raised a dead girl of a Roman ruler. There were two blind Jewish men. Beggars by the side of the road, he healed them. There was a dumb man that didn't speak or hear. He cast a demon out of that man, and then that, that, <laughs> then Matthew chapter nine verse thirty-five, another incredible verse. If you bring that up, we see Jesus preached in the whole of Galilee, and then again healed every sickness and every disease. He was a busy guy. <laughs> it was he was working hard. I mean we talk a lot about entering into the rest of God and Jesus abided in rest, but he also worked hard. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I've been on mission trips and and i i it's tiring. There's a there's a Juzzy's got a mission trip coming up in the Philippines, if you want to experience what that's like, speak to him after, Josie up there, yet? Yeah? He's gonna lead the team there. So it's exciting but it's tiring. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labor's are few. I can't keep doing this. I'm just one man. I am God, but I'm a man. I'm in a God in a human body. can only do this for so long. So it's harvest time, and he's inviting us to partner with him in the harvest. In James 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits. For the precious fruit of the earth. I like the, the old King James, it says, The husbandman waits. Or well, the husbandman is, is, it's his right to be a first partaker of the fruit. And um, Jesus is really interested in fruit. He loves the fruit. And he's come to bear, to, to, to receive his fruit. He wants to receive fruit this year. our lives and he's called us to partner with him we know that the story when Jesus was hungry and he saw the fig tree and it had leaves because it was um, even though it wasn't the season of figs it was an early uh, some if a tree was healthy in those days it had the adequate nutrients and water then it it would uh, produce fruit early and the sign of that was when the when the fig tree starts to grow leaves. At the same time, it grows the leaves. The figs develop. So Jesus saw this fig tree, and he saw the leaves, and he got excited. He said, I'm "Get some fruit." So, but what he was saying, he he actually wasn't making a point of his need for food. I believe he was making a spiritual point that he's come. The husbandman has come he's been waiting a long time to get his sons and daughters back he's been patient but he's there's an urgency in jesus to get the fruit there's an urgency in jesus to get his sons and daughters home and that's why he said to his disciples pray get with god get get with the lord of the harvest get his heart get the urgency Before I send you out, you've got to get with with God. Before we go out this year, we've got to get in the secret place and get his heart for the lost. The husband waits. He's earnestly waiting for the precious fruit. And, And when Jesus saw that fig tree with leaves, he thought, there must be some fruit. Let me get to the fruit. And when he got there, he was disappointed. But when the Son of Man comes, that's the question. Will he find faith on the earth? When he comes, when he looks at our lives this year, will he find that faith? So it it is, it is harvest time. It's harvest time for us as a church this year. And we see fruit bearing is a pattern that God set up right at the beginning of creation in Genesis 1. On uh, verse 11, he built this pattern into creation. Genesis 1, 11, he says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. So when God created nature, he built into that nature a pattern of bearing fruit and multiplication. If it doesn't multiply, it doesn't give glory to Him, to the Creator. God is a multiplier. God is a God of increase. There is no lack in His presence. In verse 12, The earth brought forth grass, the, he, the herb that yields seed according to its kind. Kind means a species or out of the same gene pool so god is a, a creator god who creates species out of an individual gene pool and in that species there is a seed that multiplies itself then in verse 20 we see god's did this created after he created that pattern in in the earth grass, herbs and trees, the same pattern we see in the sea, in the waters. Verse twenty that let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth according to the face of the firmament of the heavens. Verse twenty one God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, which moves which the waters abound according according to their kind. And then every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. How good is God? So that the trees should bear fruit and multiply. The grass, the herbs should bear fruit and multiply. The fish should multiply according to their kind. The birds should multiply on the earth according to the kind, their kind. And then the beasts in verse 24, the cattle, the creeping things and the birth, beasts of the earth according to their kind, so it was so. So God set this pattern in creation before He created man. And then the highlight of His creation, twenty-six, Genesis 1, 26, Let us make man... In our image, according to our likeness. Incredible. So, God made the grass, the herbs, the trees, according to their genetic makeup, their species. He made the fish according to their species. He made the cattle, the things that creep, but according to their kind. But then He made humans according to his kind wow that's us let us make man in our image that means let us make man to look like us and i was thinking about this god that that is security for the ones that god loves that's security for you and me in case we took on the image of someone that we weren't created to be but god in his wisdom knew if we were to take on a deformed image then he could come in the image that he created us in and live a right life and he could just slot in and take us and lead us back to his presence that that is the wisdom of god but the word of god tells us that and he made us in his image and according to his likeness so that that means he made us to look the same as him to physically resemble him but also to sound like him interesting there are i looked up various references to these words and that word likeness is a different word to image the word likeness also has reference to sound so let us make man that looks like us and sounds like us not only does this man going to look like us he's going to do the things that we do but he's going to speak the words that we speak and this this if you get this this will change your life this is the key to understanding God's plan for your life to walk in authority, to walk in dominion, is to make sure that, that your words that you speak this year sound like God's words. Don't speak words over your life that he wouldn't speak over your life. But this is the power that he entrusted to Adam. Let him look like us. Let him sound Like us. So verse 28, God bless and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish in the sea. So God created man and woman in marriage, and he said, Multiply, multiply. Why? Because the fish are multiplying. They need to be caught. The birds are multiplying. All creation is multiplying. So I have put you as a ruler over this earth to subdue it, to look after it, to take care of it. As it's multiplying, you should also multiply. But we know when Adam fell from his position of dominion, he came under the dominion of Satan. We see that Adam lost his sound. He no longer sounded like God. So when he spoke, his words no longer had power. And we see all men come under the authority of Satan until Jesus came. That's why when Jesus spoke, the first thing that the religious men noticed about Jesus that we've never we've never heard a man speak like this. We've never heard a man speak like him. Why? Because he spoke with authority. He spoke with the sound of heaven. That it was the dominion and the restoration of God's authority to man came upon Jesus Christ that's why when he asked Peter who do you say I am and Peter said you are Christ the son of the living God Jesus looked at him and said you've spoken well Peter that's right Peter you Of Peter, and upon this rock, the Lordship of Christ, I will build my church. So through worship, Peter was able to enter into a place of the restoration of dominion. And Jesus said to him, I give you the keys, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, with this key, you can unlock the chains that have been around your life and around others' lives for since the fall. How good is that? He gives us, through worship, we come into the place of abiding with Him and He gives us the keys of dominion and authority on the earth so that now we can do the things that He did and more importantly, we can speak. The words that Jesus spoke on the earth. So the Lord planted a garden in Eden and there he put the man in the garden. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. He planted Eden. Eden, the garden of God, where he put man, speaks about the pleasure. Eden means pleasure. The pleasure of God. Eden is the pleasure of God. That's where he put his beloved son. So that he could grow in God's presence. It's a, it, for us today, what that means is the church. God's family. May this year, may you plant yourself in Eden. Eden. Why? Because in Eden in his church there is a river of living water and if you plant yourself in God's house you will never wither. Why? Because your roots will go down deep and you will be nourished in his presence. David understood this also in Psalm 1. He says, blessed is the man he walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he, do, he does will prosper." One day in your courts is a better than a thousand elsewhere. May the Lord plant you this year in his house. May you allow yourself to be planted. What does that mean for you practically? It means invest yourself in God's family this year. Don't just come on Sunday. Invest yourself, plant yourself in the house of God. David said those who are planted in the house of God will flourish in his courts. So we together are the corporate body of Christ. We together share the dominion and the authority of Christ on the earth. Jesus is our chief shepherd and we are under shepherds. And if you plant yourself This year, in God's house, you will flourish. Guaranteed, every area of your life will flourish as you plant yourself in the Eden of his pleasure. So there, Genesis 2 verse 8, there he put the man whom he formed. There he put the man whom he formed and out of the ground the Lord planted every, Lord made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the side and good for food. So there is a natural placement of the of, of God on man. He placed man in the garden, but there's a spiritual planting. So God maybe placed you in a family, he's placed you in his church, but you have to be spiritually planted. There's a difference. You can't grow spiritually if you're not planted spiritually. We are not looking for your attendance physically because you will not spiritually prosper if you just attend physically. You must plant yourself and allow the Lord to plant you spiritually. That means you become vulnerable. That means we know your life. And even as a church leader, I must open my heart up and become vulnerable. To, not to everybody, but certainly to a, a bunch of people within my capacity. And that's why you know we have uh, small groups where you can open up and be vulnerable and you can plant yourself. You can grow spiritually with, with those that you respect and love. And, and so we see this picture of man being put in his church. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build a family of believers. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's in his family that you will prosper and Satan will not be able to touch you. you. If you go out independently, you are on your own. I'm sorry, but you are on your own. If you want to be protected by him, then let's do it God's way. Let's follow the pattern that he has for us. And Jesus recognized this when he came to the woman of Samaria. Remember when she came to the well and Jesus said to her, if you keep drinking from this water, you will keep thirsting. Because he recognized that when man comes out from his presence, when man comes out from the garden, there's a there's a severing of the root. You know, when you cut like when Jesus cursed the fig tree that for the fig tree to wither and die what did that mean from a, from a horticultural point of view that fig tree no longer got the nutrients from the ground it was no longer able to draw nutrients from the ground so this woman of Samaria spiritually Jesus was saying to her that you are thirsty But if you drink of the water that I will give you, you'll never thirst again. The Holy Spirit. And it is our desire and it is our passion that we are committed to that we would provide a place where the river flows through this garden. We always will give time for the Holy Spirit. And even if that means that worship may go for a bit longer, prayer may go for a bit longer, we give room for the Holy Spirit. Because we need to encounter Him. We need to put our roots roots down deep uh, into His presence. So He's bringing us back to Eden this year. And the whole point is so that you could bear fruit. That you could flourish and bear fruit for Him this year. So I'm going to close now. But this year, be expectant. There's going to be fruit come from your lives. I'm excited, and um, it's wonderful. We could have the worship team back up. Let's do it together this year. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please head to harvesttimechurch.org.au or if you'd like to connect with us directly, you can find us at Harvest Time Church on both Instagram and Facebook.